Hi, I'm Matthew Kind. Every Monday, look for a fresh new episode where I'll take you behind the scenes and interview the insiders that are shaping the rapidly evolving cannabis industry. Learn more at cannainsider.com. That's C-A-N-N-A insider.com. Now here's your program. With more states legalizing recreational cannabis and federal legalization on the horizon, the industry is gearing up for an influx of capital. Here to help us stay ahead of the curve is Jordan Tritt and Scott Berman of the Panther Group. Scott and Jordan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much, Sinead, for having us. It's great to have you here. So can you guys give us a sense of geography? Where are you in the world today? Yeah, so this is Jordan Tritt, and I'm based in Atlanta, Georgia. And this is Scott, and I'm based in Philadelphia. Great. Okay. And so what is the Panther Group on a high level? Yeah, so Panther Group is a venture capital advisory firm started in 2020. Uh, Originally, Scott and I have been investors in the space since 2014. Uh, We've invested in about 40 companies alongside our partners. And uh, in early 2020, we saw an opportunity to provide more services to the portfolio companies and other potential clients in the space. So we look for uh, fast-growing companies, typically in the Series C through Series B stage. We provide capital, business, and strategic advisory, and data-driven lead gen and digital advertising services. Great. And can the two of you share a little bit about your backgrounds and what led you to start the Panther Group? Scott, maybe we'll start with you on this one. Sure. So my background is digital advertising. Uh, My previous company I co-founded was a digital ad company that did political and healthcare targeting online using data-driven programmatic media mostly. Um, So I got into it through politics, through supporting the Marijuana Policy Project. And that led me to the Panther Opportunity Fund, which Jordan mentioned. And then as we got going in the Panther Fund, we sort of just naturally formed the Panther Group based on our individual experiences and the collective group that we've put together. Okay, great. And Jordan, how about you? What's uh, what's your backstory like? Yeah, so uh, my background is in accounting and finance. I worked for a number of startups over about a 10-year career, raising about $30 million in debt and equity for software and hardware companies. And I joined Panther Opportunity Fund in 2017 uh, with my dad and then Scott and a couple other partners joined shortly thereafter. And I've been running the Panther Opportunity Fund for the last four years day to day. So uh, evaluating companies, helping raise capital from investors, and then serving on the boards of different portfolio companies, helping them grow. Okay, great. And can you give us a snapshot of the cannabis investing landscape right now? How have things progressed in cannabis investing and what's driving that change? Yeah, so we, um, you know, we've, like I said, we've been in the space for a while. So we, we joke, uh, but it's not a joke that six months in cannabis is like two years in the real world. <laughs> and so we've seen, you know, a lot of those uh, trends go in terms of, uh, you know, the 2018, a lot of companies going public. And then more recently, we've seen uh, the SPAC trend. So We've uh, seen a number of different things happen in the space that have influenced the the investing landscape. Uh, as Scott, I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. Um, you know, there's really just never been a better time uh, in terms of investing in cannabis. Uh, there's you know, companies are the largest. We have the most 
Uh, more and more states are expanding all, all the time. Politically, there are a number of things happening. Um, so there's just a lot of excitement. Uh, I think also the reality is, is that real estate and stocks have performed extremely well. Um, and, you know, hopefully they'll continue. But uh, there are always, always, you know, investors who recognize, you know, the opportunities to take some chips off the t- table and you know, put it into other uh, exciting growing spaces. So we feel like cannabis, you know, as much as ever is prime for a lot of uh, new capital come in. And particularly at the Panther Group, you know, we spend a lot of time uncovering, you know, interesting pockets of capital and liquidity for our portfolio companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just want to add to that. I think politics, it always comes back to that. And in the last six months, actually, there's been a lot of movement in many different states. And when things open up politically, then more capital comes in. So these markets need money to develop. And so there's a lot of investors coming out to the East Coast that have been out there in Oregon and Washington and California for years. They've done very well. And now they're setting their sights on new markets. And so that really is changing the investing landscape and providing a really unique opportunity now to get in while it's still relatively early. Absolutely. So going off that, what are your thoughts right now on the federal legalization timeline and how how do you think things are going to pan out over the next few years in regards to that? Well, I'm a I'm very optimistic when it comes to politics more so than most. And <laughs> I also understand that in politics, some things take a very long time and then they take a short time. We've seen this happen with many other issues in our country that have, have not really been right and they've been fixed over time. So what we've seen, as far as federal legalization goes, we still need one to two more election cycles. So every two years, things change a lot in our world. And I think in 22 and 24, we're going to have new congressmen, maybe a new White House. And that's when I think we have a very good shot of getting federal legalization. However, also what's happening is that the states are changing so rapidly and coming online that a large majority of the country already has access to legal cannabis, and that could make the federal the federal changes happen quicker. And that's my, what I'm I'm banking on. And speaking of banking, there's there's a lot going on with that as well. So I think politics sometimes is not seen by everybody every day, and then all of a sudden there's a bill on the floor, and things could change quickly. That's great. And so you just mentioned banking. What uh, what thoughts do you have on the Safe Banking Act and how do you think that could influence cannabis over the next couple of years? Well, I think it's going to have a, a seismic impact. Um, there's a lot of trouble right now when you're operating on any level in the cannabis space. Banking is difficult and there's also a lot less liquidity available to companies that are trying to borrow money to, re- to build their cannabis business. So, you know, it's actually an opportunity for us as venture investors to get in with some of these companies when they can't typically go to a bank and take out a loan. They also can't directly pay suppliers and payroll and everything else that a normal business does. It's just more complicated. There certainly are many solutions today, but there's still a lot of cash and there's a lot of security issues. And there's just a lot of things that would make it easier for, for example, um, companies that operate in multiple states frequently have to have separate entities and banking relationships in each state where they operate. And that's a problem for them as well. So I think from a bottom line profitability standpoint, 
And, you know, a security and compliance standpoint, a lot of things are going to get better after the banking bill goes through. Okay, great. So getting back to the Panther Group, you mentioned earlier, since you guys started, you've got about 40 investments to your name. So what characteristics does a company need to pique your interest? And and uh, what are maybe one or two investments that have really stood out to you over the years that you're, you're uh, most excited about? Yeah, so it's uh, a great question. Uh, we've had two funds. And so in the funds, we've had you know, investment thesis that have guided uh, you know, a lot of what we look for in uh, companies. And so uh, some of those criteria we look for is a really strong management team, uh, especially one that's coachable. Um, at Panther Group, like I mentioned, we're involved in a, a number of different areas. We find that you know, it, entrepreneurs who are open to feedback and open to expertise in different areas you know, tend to perform the best. So an openness and willingness to uh, receive support and help uh, from other people is one thing. We're looking for leaders in particular spaces. So within the 35 or 40 companies that we've invested in, that's been across more than 20 sectors, uh, including obviously uh, heavy concentration in ancillary companies and also a fair amount of plant touching companies. But um, so we're looking for some of those leaders within particular uh, sectors in campus. Uh, we, like I said, we're typically in the Series C through Series B stage. So we we get involved with companies that have revenue, ideally at least a million in revenue, um, and that have a clear exit plan over the next realistically five to eight years. Um, so those are some of the criteria. We also look for companies that can expand and have applications outside of cannabis. So we've had uh, some companies that have done really well expanding beyond cannabis because you know, one of the exciting and interesting things about the cannabis plant is it's a very high value crop. So a lot of technology is being developed that can be justified uh, when it comes to, you know, the impact they can have on producing, uh, you know, a better crop, a safer crop, et cetera. So some of that technology is now pouring over into other industries, which is really exciting. Okay, great. Going into that, at the Panther Group, you have invested in a lot of companies across multiple sectors in the industry. What uh, what maybe two sectors are you do you find yourself most gravitating towards right now? And what do you think is maybe kind of an up and coming sector at the moment? Well, I think it's interesting the uh, vertically integrated uh, operations in limited licensed states or new ish states. You know, states that are coming on and that are, are really under served at this moment. Um, that's a really exciting thing for us. And so we're looking at several ones, several opportunities, uh, Maine, Massachusetts, Michigan, you know, um, these are not fully developed markets and there's a lot of opportunity with the right location and a vertically integrated situation. Um, I think that's really interesting for us. Um, we're always interested in technology, certainly data, um, any company that's collecting data on cannabis consumers and, and deploying it um, certainly is interesting to us. Uh, but, you know, it's really it's a tough question because we see a lot of we see a lot of opportunity in the lab sector. Actually, um, there's a lot of states that start to build grow capacity and they don't have enough labs or they don't have quality labs. Um, and, and so there's there's opportunities for roll ups in the lab side of things. Um, and so, you know, I would say that those going forward, they're all going to still be relevant for a couple years. 
to come for sure until these markets are fully served like the Western markets. So, um, and then one other thing I'll just add is there's a lot of opportunity on brands, on the brand side of things. There's so, we're so early in the branding of cannabis products. There's only one brand, maybe cookies, and there's a few others that are really going to multiple, many markets right now. And so I think that over the next couple of years, investing in a brand that's doing well, like on the West Coast and bringing it to the East Coast is an example of where we see a lot of opportunity and rolling brands together. Okay, great. So I, w- I want to shift gears here to the digital advertising side of the Panther Group. Because you guys, you're not only a venture capital firm, but you also do digital advertising. So I've read you have a very data-driven approach. Can you tell us about that and what you do for brands on that front? Sure. So we work with first and third-party data, sometimes from the brand itself, You know, taking their customer data, onboarding it, and matching it to cookies and device IDs and cable boxes. And we do addressable media to first-party data sets. Then we also look in the third-party data world to target people with different demographics, age, geo, gender, uh, what type of car they drive, what type of um, community they live in. And so we look at all these signals and we apply them into programmatic media channels. And we work as the Panther Group, we're agnostic as far as who we use. We work with a lot of different folks. And the idea is we're going to understand you know, who is buying edibles in Northern California and who is buying uh, flour in in SoCal, you know, and really try and focus in on these audiences and then geofence. So there's a lot of data that goes into the geo-targeting. Where are are the stores? uh, Where are the stores that carry your brand? And how can we find people and open up new markets? You know, we want to sell more and drive more traffic in the store where people ask for your brand or their website, but we also want to open up and sell into new places. So there's a lot of data coming in from the beginning and a lot on the on the other side, on the metric side, we can measure a lot. Yeah, the other, just to add to that, um, what we're able to do and we're seeing a lot of interest in now is co-brand or co-advertising between brands and retailers. And, uh, you know, this is something that's exciting for a few reasons. One is, you know, brands have been struggling for a long time to uh, get that first party data and understand who is actually buying their products, because a lot of times they just put it on the shelves of retailers and that information is captured by point of sale companies. So there really, you know, aren't good, you know, there aren't solutions out there right now looking to solve you know, that challenge, which is how do we bring together the brands, the retailers, you know, the point of sale data, you know, analyze that and then work together to drive traffic into the store featuring particular brands, et cetera. So it's, it's you know, this is a, one of those things where everyone wins, you know, and uh, so that's what you know, we look for is opportunities where we can, you know, because we're connectors uh, and we we have lots of conversations across different uh, types of companies, we're able to bring together, you know, kind of otherwise disparate conversations or, um, you know, companies that wouldn't you know otherwise come together, but we're able to connect them and and bring tools to uh, to make it all work. Okay, great. And so, cannabis right now with digital advertising, things are a little tricky with the Google and Facebook off the table, obviously. So 
what are the biggest pain points brands are facing right now? And how does digital advertising, uh, how is it different in our industry than it is in most other industries at the moment? Yeah. So the first big problem, obviously, is Google and Facebook account for about 60 to 70 percent of most small business advertising in this country. And they are off limits almost to all cannabis advertising. Some CBD might be possible now, but so that's the biggest challenge. And it's they, what Google, they've made it easy over the years for the average small business person without a big marketing team to do to do that. So without that, there's a big challenge on how do you drive traffic to your website without those two tools. So that's number one. Number two is really, I believe a lot of brands don't fully understand who's buying their product. And, and part of it is because growth, because of the growth, the rapid growth in this industry, and the brands are starting to be in 50, 100 stores, and they're selling out, and they're barely keeping up with the demand. They really don't have a, a handle on who's buying what, where, and when. And so that's a big problem, too, is really selling more to the same people or selling more to that same store. So now what we're trying to do is help them corral this data, understand their audiences, and then find lookalikes and find more and sell more to the same people. Retargeting is a very popular tactic. And most of these folks have never tried this before on their, on their website. And so that, that right there can help a, a, a vendor, a brand, really get more brand awareness. Okay, great. So going off that, what, uh, what thoughts do you have for how things will change for digital advertising in the industry when we do see federal legalization and the industry is no longer segmented by state? Well, I think you'll certainly see a lot of the bigger players open it up, open up the advertising, and, and there'll be a lot more inventory available. Um, so that'll definitely happen. Um, but I also think there'll still be restrictions somewhat. I mean, you really can't do alcohol ads a lot on, you know, Google AdWords is is really not for that either. So there's there's definitely um, going to be nuances here and there, but I think it'll be more of the big players uh, will open themselves up to, di to digital ads for, for cannabis. Um, but I also just wanted to add one other thing too, though, is you're going to see that there's going to be a crossover between mainstream, you know, let's face it, cannabis is getting to be mainstream very quickly. And so you're going to start to see ads on television and you'll start to see ads on digital. We, we do a lot of digital video ad advertising, like pre-roll video on apps and websites. And I think you're going to start to see that being a lot easier and a lot more uh, available to cannabis brands. And then they'll start to build those national followings. Okay, great. So are there any particular pieces of the cannabis ecosystem right now that the two of you are most excited about? That's a great question. Um, I would say, uh, you know, I think what Scott talked about in terms of the, the brands moving from the West coast to the East coast and, you know, the new consumers, I think there's, you know, just a very ripe opportunity to help companies, you know, both, both companies, both, you know, the license holders on the East coast and brands and experts on the West coast to come together and, you know, make what seven, eight years of learning out in you know Oregon or Washington, Colorado, take that and 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 bring that expertise day one. And the same thing like we're talking about with the the data and knowing who's buying their products. And and you know we we say the same type of person that drinks red wine on the East Coast, you know, kind of looks the same as the person on the West Coast, West Coast that drinks red wine. 
right? It's it's the same product. So if we know people, you know, like Scott saying, are fit certain demographics, then we can target them as new uh, new markets come online. So I think the acceleration of cannabis mainstream, uh, you know, into the new markets, uh, inc- including how the legislation and regulatory pieces roll out, that should happen a lot smoother, hopefully, than than in the past. So uh, I think the the pace at which uh, the growth is happening and what we can do to to facilitate that is probably the most exciting um, thing for us. Yeah, maybe one other thing. Sorry, I think about it, is is the entrance of family offices um, into the space because uh, you know there's there's been a shortage of capital for the space and family offices because they're not uh, prohibited by you know any kind of governance or whatever, so that they can invest how they want to invest. They are really, uh, you know, taking to the opportunities to get in big ways, right? When you're launching a new dispens- uh, or a new vertical, uh, vertically integrated company like Scott's describing, you know, that's 15, 20 million of capital. That's not easy to raise. There aren't cannabis VCs, you know, in mass being able to write 15, 20 million dollar checks. That's that's not where cannabis VCs have played. So the opportunity and the need for it is critical. And so the entrance of family offices and what we're doing uh, alongside uh, family office networks and the Canvas Investment Club, we're really excited about, you know, being a, uh, you know, an entry point for, for those ultra high net worth individuals to come into cannabis in a responsible way. Absolutely. Okay, great. So, Kind of going off that, do either of you see any gaps in the cannabis marketplace emerging that listeners should maybe be aware of? Yes, <laughs> every day. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's there's definitely gaps in. Well, I think it's also I look at it like geographically, too. So, you know, if you go to, you know, the West Western states, the states that have had cannabis, there's not many gaps. There's not as many. You know, there's people filling every every sector of the industry and filling it with you know, the, with quantity, right? There's a lot of edibles brands in California right now. There's none out here in, in PA and New Jersey and New York. So that's a big gap uh, in this part of the country. And so as the, as the industry, you know, keeps evolving, those gaps get filled because more capital comes in and businesses are, are developed. You know, um, a couple of years ago, there were no point of sale systems for metric or the or the seed to sale tracking programs. Now there's 30 of them, you know, so I don't I wouldn't want to start a business doing that today. <laughs> so I think a lot of it is based on where the where the business is developed in which state at this point. I think uh, another interesting uh, opportunity which we're, we're seeing uh, come up and, and it's the early days is is this feedback loop between. Uh, companies, you know, let's just say, you know, manufacturers to keep it simple. So the ones making products and the consumers and what are the effects uh, that, you know, the consumers are uh, having from taking particular products. And then where we get excited, uh, you know, is on the kind of the lab and the analytical side. We have uh, one of our companies, Abstracts Tech, which can analyze uh, cannabis and they've identified up to 400 compounds within the cannabis plant. So the, this is a really, really complex um, you know, plant medicine. And we don't know yet because it's, fed, it's been federally illegal and the research and all that stuff has been minimal. We don't know 
you know, the, the, the impact that this can have. So what I'm seeing happen, you know, to kind of in the, in the real world is that, you know, cannabis uh, entrepreneurs and operators and stuff are not waiting to, you know, for federal uh, studies to be allowed. And so we're kind of trying to create our own feedback loop and bring in uh, companies that conduct, you know, clinical trials. We've got the research side. We have you're looking at technology and platforms to gather all this data and make it usable. And then, you know, obviously you're looking at the companies that are making the products and, you know, the ones that are, have the information on the consumers that can give us access. So that to me is a major thing in terms of trying to understand the impact of the plant is, is to get some feedback on what is the, you know, how are people handling this and how are they getting uh, you know, affected by it? So that, that's something that's pretty interesting from my standpoint. Okay, great. Awesome. Okay, so getting back to um, where the Panther Group is at at the moment, like we discussed earlier, you have invested in about 40 companies at this point since you started in 2014 and um, lots more to come, I'm sure. So what goals do you have at the Panther Group over the next year? And do you have any big plans coming up that you want to share? Yeah, thank you for, for that opportunity. So yeah, we are uh, you know the number one need in the space in general is is capital. So uh, we're doing a couple of things to solve that. Um, one is we're going to be launching our new fund, so the Panther Micro Fund, targeting raise up to ten million. Uh, so we're out uh, in the market coming up soon with that. And then we've got uh, like I mentioned, we've got a partnership with Family Office Networks and the Cannabis Investment Club where we're bringing together a lot of active high net ultra high net worth and family offices to come together and fund, you know, a lot of cannabis deals. So we want to, uh, you know, bring a lot of uh, deal flow uh, into their group and uh, get a lot of deals funded that way. So those are a couple areas we're focused on. Yeah. I just also want to mention that in October, um, MJ BizCon is in Las Vegas and we'll be there with uh, one of our investments is MJ Unpacked, which is the first brand and retailer focused show, like a buying show. And it will be at the Mandalay at the same time as MJ Biz. So I know a lot of your listeners will probably be in Vegas during that week and uh, we'll be there often or all, all, you know, all week and we'll be doing a lot. So please look for us when you're out there. That's great. That's funny. We actually just had uh, George Jage, founder yes. of MJ Impact, on the show. So yes. <laughs> the listeners are all up to date on MJ Impact. But uh, yeah, that's an exciting event. Yes, we're big fans of George and Kim and, and everything that they do. And we're very excited to get back out there. We missed everybody last year. Absolutely. I think everyone's yeah. excited to get back in person there. So that's great. Awesome. Okay. So I wanted to uh, ask you guys a few things. You the two of you at this point, you've heard a lot of pitches. You're probably, you know, the cannabis pitch gurus in the industry at this point. If you were sitting down with a founder who was prepping his or her first pitch, what do's and don'ts would you give them? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, definitely be yourself. Um, you know, um, definitely be prepared and know the, you know, expected uh, you know, points of conversation, know the deck so that you can be able to walk through it and not uh, have any issues if there are any technical uh, difficulties, kind of those things come up. So, you know, definitely be prepared. Uh, do your research. 
you know, so uh, at this point, the, the space is pretty small. So if you can you know, find someone who, who knows that person and can give you a little bit of insight into what they're looking for, uh, each group has, you know, its own kind of uh, buttons that, it, that get ticked. Um, and then I would say, you know, along those lines, just, you know, use advisors and, you know, people who have been there, know your strengths. If you're, if you're, you know, naturally a great operator, but not a great fundraiser, that's okay. You know, know that that's a, you know, area that needs to be improved and either, you know, focus on it or make sure that you can cover it with, you know, other capable people. Um, but you got to be, you know, at Panther Group, like we're, you know, we're very transparent and honest uh, and stuff. So, you know, we want to see and understand who you are. We're looking to invest in in you and in, in the person uh, and in the team. And so we want to understand, really uh, get to know you. So that's important. I think, uh, I mean, that's from my vantage point, but I would assume from other investors' vantage points, they look the same. Okay, great. Yeah. I love that you got, you really uh, play a very active role as an investor, which is uh, something that's hard to come by in the cannabis industry right now. So that's definitely a unique characteristic of yours at the Panther Group and one that a lot of businesses look for in an investor. So that's great. So on the flip side of that, what would you say should an investor look for in a pitch deck to like really discern whether or not it would be worth their time? And what are maybe a few red flags there? Yeah, I just wanted to add to your last comment. It's really important, though, is us being there and along with along the journey. You know, this is a journey we're in for the long haul. And we, we like to help people along the way. Um, and it's really important for us to not just be a capital source and just a quiet, you know, we want to help and we want to help them realize their dreams. And then, and that's really exciting um, for me and us personally. Um, as far as what we, what we look for in a pitch deck, um, I would say certainly a lot of detail on what the plan is and what the projections are. So really show that you have an in-depth understanding of the numbers behind the idea. Lots of people have a good idea. How do you, what's your business model? When you be, when will you be profitable? How much capital will you burn until that time? Um, that's one thing. Um, some red flags are pitch decks that talk too much about the cannabis industry. My, my one suggestion to anyone is don't put too many slides in about how big the cannabis space is. All of us know already, <laughs> you know, we know it's big. We know it's exciting. We're already here because of that. So just really focus on your business. And, and yes, addressable market is important, but focus on how your business fits in. And then I'll just add one other thing is, um, and a red flag is if you're not looking at the competition, um, because if you come up with in, into this space and think you have a brand new idea, you're probably not there. You really need to understand who's done this before. Have they been successful? How much market share do they have? How much money have they raised? So, uh, you know, you really need to. So what I look for is someone that understands the landscape and how they might fit in and how they might win over time. I'll add a couple of things because I think this is this is interesting and probably, you know, uh, informative for, for the listeners. So uh, for me, you know, an exit strategy. Right. I mean, it's it's generic. But for us, we need to know how you're planning on getting out of this business. We are not investing in any lifestyle businesses. Uh, they're all you know, to grow and uh, exit. So we want to know how you're planning on on making that happen. Uh, the team uh, is extremely important. So make sure that you're 
uh, talking about the team and, and sharing people's uh, specific uh, talents that make them uniquely qualified for that position. And uh, the deck, you know, needs to flow. It needs to really tell a story. Uh, you know, the, the number one thing that, you know, I always, you know, look for and kind of, you know, try to uh, get out of it is like to walk away and say, okay, I get it. You know, this is where they are. This is what they need. This is why they're going to be successful. Like it needs to just pretty easily kind of compute and go together. So if it's really complex, um, you know, that's, and it doesn't flow nicely and stuff, then that's, I wouldn't say it's a red flag, but it's something that's going to probably make us not interested. So it may, you know, even worse than the red flag may, may end the conversation. <laughs> so I think, you know, again, it gets into that preparation, you know, it, it, reality is you only have a, you know, one chance to make that first impression. You know. Absolutely. Well, thank you both so much for uh, your words of wisdom there. That's super helpful for our listeners who are, just getting going with their own um, ventures here and really appreciate those words of advice there. I'm going to um, jump to some personal development questions here, but after that, we'll get into your contact information and how people can connect with you guys and work with you if they're interested. But first up, is there a book that has had a big impact on your life or way of thinking? And um, maybe we'll start with you on this one, Jordan. Uh, yeah, there are a few. Um, so I'd say on the, on the personal side, um, uh, would be, um, Eckhart Tolle, uh, the power of now and also a, a new earth. Uh, I think, you know, just the importance of, uh, living in the present and, uh, really just focusing on the, the moment that you have now. Um, so I think that's been something from a personal side, um, from a professional side, there was a book, uh, I think Patrick Lencioni uh, wrote called, wrote called uh, Selling Naked. Um, that was something that that uh, always stuck with me. Very good book. Um, it's not what it sounds like. <laughs> and then, uh, and then uh, another one recently that I've been reading uh, is Dare to Lead uh, by Brene Brown. Uh, so also, you know, a very good book on leadership and having, uh, you know, being willing to rumble, as she says, and, mm. you know, just being able to have tough conversations and open, honest conversation. So uh, that's something, you know, I'll just add about this, the cannabis space that we love is the people are so genuine, you know, and 99% of it, uh, at least we found like the people we interact with and want to do business with are genuine and, uh, you know, and, and, and open. And, uh, you know, we have one of our uh, salespeople, he's always amazed every day when he gets on the phone at how open and honest People are within a couple minutes of the conversation. They're sharing all these details, and uh, yeah, that's just something that, you know that Scott and I, you know, we're just you know we're people first. Um, you know, we all you know we have families, and and so just doing things the right way, and and you know this being kind of just part of our lives. That's what's unique about the cannabis space, and you know we're fortunate to be in it and to be able to weave a lot of the the personal and professional things all in one. That's great. Yeah, that's something I, I love. I'm fairly new to the industry. I've only been in the space for a couple of years now, but it's such a collaborative community. And like you said, very, very transparent with each other, which I love. So that's, that's a great point. So yeah. Scott, wh what about you? Any, yeah. uh, any good books that you... Uh... Sure. Lots of good books on the pandemic. <laughs> it's home a lot. Actually, The Power of Now, uh, our senior advisors, Dr. Ramey Tritt, who is Jordan's dad, 
And back in the, before the right before the pandemic, he gave me that book, The Power of Now. And it was very important. I loved it. And so then I started reading a lot of other things. And um, I'm really into learning about Buddhism. So the book that I thought was the most important was by uh, Thich Nhat Hanh. And it was the heart of the Buddha's teaching um, about transferring suffering into peace. And it was just uh, very powerful. I've read a lot of books like that in the last year and a half. And I'm um, trying to work that into my personal and business life, all the things I'm learning there. Oh, great. Awesome. That sounds that sounds fascinating. I'm going to have to add a few of these to uh, my reading list. It's already a long one, but yeah, I'll put these up more. there. <laughs> that's great. Okay. So uh, next question here, what is your favorite unhealthy comfort food? And this can be West Coast, East Coast. I know you guys have been all over the map in the U.S., but... What would you say is your favorite, uh, maybe like fast food joint? Um, favorite fast food joint out west would have to be In and Out Burger. Nice, <laughs> uh, Jordan. Uh, I'm gonna give like the most boring answer, and it's but it's an honest answer, which is I keep kosher, so I, I do not have a lot of fast food options. But I can tell you, foods and stuff my go-to. I have lots of foods ready. Uh, Oreos are a uh, just personal favorite, uh, family favorite as well um and oreos they're uh the regular ones are not dairy actually um so with the kosher thing you can eat them after eating meat so that's uh, i'd say go to is oreo nice yeah yeah i'm vegan and oreos are thankfully vegan which is uh pretty amazing there we keep them well stocked in our pantry <laughs> yeah there you go lots of different flavors all different options oh yeah and thick you know Different flavors all. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, as we wrap up here, Jordan and Scott, how can listeners find you online and, and uh, maybe get connected with you at the Panther Group if they're interested? The, the best way is LinkedIn. I mean, it's the easiest way to find us on LinkedIn. Our website is thepanthergroup.co. We just relaunched it, actually, and it looks great. And so you can come to the site and put your name in there. Um, we are on Instagram, so you can follow us a little bit there. Um, also, Clubhouse, we're doing a Clubhouse tonight at 7 Eastern about cannabis and politics. So we're trying to get a little bit of audience there. Um, and then for me personally, I'm easy to find on social media, Twitter, and uh, feel free to reach out. I love making new contacts. And as Jordan said, I just want to second what he said. We really do enjoy all the people and the interactions that we make every day. It's really a big part of what we do and we're grateful. And we also want to thank you officially for having us on, Sinead. I really appreciate the time today. Well, thank you both so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Listeners definitely got some actionable things that they can take with them. So thank you both so much and uh, all the best for the Panther Group and what you've got going on for the rest of the year. Thanks very much. much. If you enjoyed the show today, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever app you might be using to listen to the show. Every five-star review helps us to bring the best guest to you. Learn more at cannainsider.com forward slash iTunes. What are the five disruptive trends that will impact the cannabis industry in the next five years? Find out with your free report at cannainsider.com forward slash trends. Have a suggestion for an awesome guest on Canna Insider? Simply send us an email at feedback at We'd love to hear from you.
please do not take any information from Canada Insider or its guests as medical advice. Contact your licensed physician before taking cannabis or using it for medical treatments. Promotional consideration may be provided by select guests, advertisers, or companies featured in Canada Insider. Lastly, the host or guests on Canada Insider may or may not invest in the companies or entrepreneurs profiled on the show. Please consult your licensed financial advisor before making any investment decisions. Final disclosure to see if you're still paying attention. This little whistle jingle you're listening to will get stuck in your head for the rest of the day. Thanks for listening and look for another Canada Insider episode soon. Take care. Bye-bye.